Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. This is the Abby Normal Podcast, here to tell you that you're weird and that's normal. A couple months ago, I took a little road trip to visit friends in Southern California. In our current state, this is an activity that I recall with fondness and longing. I got to walk into my friend Tamara's house, give her one of those long hugs where you just hold the other person, exhale, squeeze them, and then laugh for no reason. Ah. Tamara is a veteran Air Force captain at 36. She was a flight nurse in a war zone and is currently working on a nurse practitioner degree from USC. This day, we sat on her couch, really close, and she told me the story that you get to hear, including a dramatic plane crash in Afghanistan. The beginning audio is a little rough due to her baby monitor nearby, but here's how this little hippie ended up in the Air Force. It was my first year in college when September 11th happened. And I saw on the news, like the news was playing in the living room, just like kind of out of the corner of my eye, I was like, oh shit, the plane hit a building. That's crazy. So I continue getting ready for school and like not really paying attention to what's happening. Um, first class, the instructor was like, I'm going to let everybody go. Go to the auditorium if you want to like watch the news, basically. So pretty much my whole class went in there and we're all like sitting in the auditorium and then the second plane crash happens and everybody was like was that from earlier you know that confusion that kind of everybody had completely you like don't understand that you're watching that live yeah Yeah. so we're like the we so everyone kind of starts to figure out no that really just happened again Uh, and then it's just like phones start ringing pagers start going off right And at the time, my brother, David, was in the army. So I, like, left the auditorium. I left because my mom called me and said, "Um, your brother's being activated. He has to leave in, like, 24 hours to, like, go do military stuff. I was like, oh, shit. That's crazy, you know? So after that, I kind of started considering the idea of, okay, like, maybe I could join the military after, you know, after college to just like do something to help because I had always wanted to be like I was more kind of a hippie when I was younger (laughs) she decided to join ROTC at Fresno State University you go through training and then your junior year you go to like a boot camp but it's more of a pass or fail evaluation process if you pass you become an officer they pay for your college and then you pay them back with your time so if you get like a four-year degree, mm-hmm. they pay for your four-year degree, and then you serve four years as an officer. But then, okay, I mean, like you, they pay you, of course. Um, so you still get paid. Yeah, but you're committing to your four years. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I did that, and then I graduated with a degree in nursing, mm-hmm. and then I went to training. They did really good training. I think I was in Ohio for like three months, and then I got stationed at Travis. Air Force Base. Air Force Base. So do you, like, at what point do you pick, like, I want to be in the Air Force versus the Army versus? So initially, I, like, was going to go into the Army. And 
it was it's very different so each branch of service has like a different way of doing things I was at like an army training the middle of nowhere it was like two in the morning three in the morning it's freezing cold and I'm like outside on my belly with like a gun guarding nothing nobody's coming nothing's happening and I was like man I want to be a doctor this is not for me this is not for me <laughs> what am I doing here I need I need to make better life choices. That's what, I'm <laughs> what am I setting myself up to do here? That next week I went to my commander and I was like, I want to join Air Force or OTC. And my commander was just pissed. I think there's just like a rivalry there. Okay, you know? okay. They don't want you. They don't want to lose you. Yeah. yeah. And the army at the time, like, I just remember like people in my unit kind of like talking down about the Air Force. There's kind of just like this running joke, like the Air Force is the chair force. It's like the easier version of things, oh. you know. I mean, that would make me be like, uh, yeah, can I can I sign up for that then? I don't want to. I don't want to like intentionally make things hard. And I felt like that's what was happening. I was like, yeah. why are we out here doing this? Like, let's not make it hard. Let's make it easier. Right, like, right, right. So then, how many years did you serve? Ten years. Ten years. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so Tamara got deployed as a nurse to Afghanistan. She's describing her situation upon deployment to me and her loud-mouthed husband, Austin. When I deployed, I think oh, I had right. just finished flight training I mean, within the year. I was, I was still really new at it. The reason that my, the other nurse actually went with me and he, instead of not going was because he was a colonel. And so he was like super experienced. He had deployed several times, like since the war first kicked off, he had gone at least every two years. Mm. So this was like his eighth deployment or something crazy. And, um, he was a little on edge because of that, but he was like, <laughs> he was super, he actually, held off his retirement to go on this deployment with me. Wow. Because he was like the person that recruited me into that unit. And so he was like to do me a favor, basically. Wow. We were in Afghanistan flying into Fob Shank to pick up a couple patients. And Shank is located in an area of Afghanistan where the runway is short. It's in kind of a valley and there's uh, mountains on both sides. And so it's kind of difficult to land there. So we go around once and we're going in and plus all of the landings in Afghanistan are like combat landings for the most part. So you kind of go in steep and fast, like normal, normal airplanes. You're kind of like a gradual decline and then you land. Uh, so there's five medical crew, five uh, front end people. So the people that fly the plane. And I think we had two patients on the plane at the time. Mm -hmm. Because we'd make multiple stops and pick people up. So this was like our second stop of the day. So you kind of gather everybody up and then you shuffle them to bigger hospitals because we're out in like the middle of nowhere. So my partner, who's another nurse, he's on, he can talk to the front end crew. I can talk to all of the medical people, but we can't talk to each other. Like the, his headphone is connected to the plane and ours are all connected to each other. So I sit directly across from him so I can like, take care of the patients and I can like hand signal and talk to him. So everything's fine. He says it's going to be a rough landing, but I'm like, homie, they're all rough landings. So I'm like, okay. So I just like 
hunker down, you know. You're in a jump seat. It's not really a chair as what's much it, as yeah, like a jump seat. It's like a nylon piece of material on a metal frame and it's like a bench seat all the way down the side of the plane. Mm. And then it's just got a lap belt. So we configure it into like a flying hospital. The center of the plane is um, all of the seats are removed and then instead where there would be seats or whatever. Oh, there's normally like you could put rows of seats like a normal plane. You could, sure, but um, they also put like humvees or... It's like Legos. You can fit a humvee in there? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. This, we were on a (laughs) C-130. The center of the plane has um, like stretchers, basically, cots, three high with like all medical equipment on it. So it's like all defibrillators and anything you need would need to like code somebody or save your life or deliver a baby or anything like that. You never know. Um, Wait, two, four, six? So three, three high, but uh-huh. then there's like one side and then another side. So six total in like uh-huh. one little stanchion there. And then um, there'd be several of those. So we'd have like wow, all different equipment because sometimes you'd have even more because you'd have ones that are empty for people to come in and lay on. Like patients would lay on those and travel like that. This day it was just medical equipment and then we had empty ones. I had a guy, my patient was next to me, and he had, uh, could not use either of his arms oh, very that's well. Right. He was traveling back because of his accident the day before. So he's, neither one of his arms works, so I, of course we like help him to buckle his seatbelt when he gets in. And then as we're going to land, they say it's going to be hard landing. So I'm like, okay, it's going to be hard landing. I tell everybody in the back and all the medical people, and they're like, okay, here we go. We're used to this now. We go down like we're gonna land. Everything, like you get used to just the feeling of everything. You do it so often. It's like, okay, I know this is how long it's gonna take to land. This is how long it's gonna take for the wheels to go up and all that stuff. We miss the first landing and then he says that we're gonna go around again. So we go down, we take off and we do another lap and then it's like, all right, now it's, it's gonna be rough. The first time it was like, okay, we're used to it. And then the second time he was like, like he looked kind of scared. We kind of jerk. And then next thing you know, there's a huge bump. Like, did we just hit something? Is there a speed bump on the airstrip? Like what's going on? Huge bump to the point where I, all of my limbs flailed up and I like bit my tongue and I bit it so hard that I felt like, oh shit, I need to make sure I don't bite my tongue off in this situation. So I like closed my mouth just to make sure I was like keeping my mouth closed so I wouldn't bite it again and it was it was fast it was like big bump and then yard sale everything is everywhere I was holding like I was holding on to the seat had I not been seat belted in I would have hit the ceiling it was like the hardest jolt as I'm being flailed across I see my partner who's like 6'2", 250, looks like a rag doll. Like, he's strapped in, but his arms and legs are just, like, flying all over the place. (laughs) Everything's flying everywhere. It's like, it looks like someone just shook up a snow globe and just, poof, everything is everywhere, and then crushed. It all happened fairly quickly, and so I was like, oh, shit. After, like, everything kind of came to a stop, it's like, that was a rough landing. <laughs> it's like, oh, my mouth kind of hurts, you know, like, 
my partner across the way looks over at me and he says, there's a fire. So I just like get out of my seatbelt. I jump up and like run to where the fire extinguisher is. And as I'm doing that, it's like, I'm talking like I've taken three steps toward the back of the plane to get like, cause that was the closest fire extinguisher to me. The front end crew, they have some that are actually in the back too, are running toward the front and they're like, we gotta go, we gotta go. So I turn around and like, grab my patient, unbuckle him. He's like stuck in there, like get out. Everyone else is gone, like instantly gone. No. We can't open the back of the plane because the whole plane, like I didn't realize it at the time, but I was like, drop the, you know, like open the back, open the back, like open the hatch. Nothing is opening. So everybody starts going up to the front of the plane and they're climbing out at the top. Where is the fire? So at this point, I don't know, okay. right? Like, I, I don't see anything. I don't know. Okay. Um, you have to, like, climb a ladder to get out. Right. So my poor guy, I just, like, grabbed, like, pushed him from the bottom up onto the top of the plane. Yeah. And then I climbed out myself. And as I climbed out, I, like, stood up on top of the plane and I looked to the right. The whole right side of the plane is on fire. The right wing is, like, it's, like, I'm standing on top of the plane and it looks like it's about two stories above me but it was probably maybe a story and a half realistically the, but the it, flames you mean yes there you're, you're looking at two stories of flames it looks like that but it was probably it was probably like a story and a half i just remember like standing up and being like just thinking holy shit like we have to get off this right now it was just debris and stuff was kind of coming down like raining down on us like my flight suit was just covered and it seemed like fuel and just just everything that was burning off of the plane at this point. So to get off the top of the plane, there's no ladder. So you take a rope and throw it out of the top, and then you have to rappel down the rope. And we're on top of this plane that's like... No. I would be like, goodbye, I have lived a great life. <laughs> I'm just going to lay down here for now. Where does me. the rope come from? So it's secured to the inside of the plane, okay. and then it comes out of the top and then goes down okay. the side where, all the way to the where bottom. Where is the ladder? Why is there no ladder? Because you're not supposed to go out that way. This is like <laughs> emergencies only, right? Okay, okay. So yeah, this is not this is not like okay on a Tuesday instead of going out of the side of the plane, we're just going to go out of the top. It was like Plan C. Shit has hit hitteth the faneth. Mm -hmm. So. This poor guy can't hold on to the rope. And oh my gosh, yeah, you're patient without arms or without working arms. Right. <gasps> oh my God, so what'd you do? I was like, I'm so sorry. We have to get off this plane right now. Like, stay as close to the plane as you can. And he's like, uh, uh, uh. So I just like gently pushed him <laughs> so he would like slide down the side of the plane because they're hopefully or at this point people down there because it was... Him? You pushed him off the edge of the plane. Yes. So then I rappel down and... How do you feel when you're rappelling? What are you thinking? Um, I was like, man, I'm so good at this. <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> I had been doing like a lot of CrossFit and stuff. Oh and I know my... how douchey that makes me sound. But I was full on like, like I felt confident. I felt like yeah. good. I felt good. This. Yeah, I felt like I had trained really well and I was like prepared um that is so adorable <laughs> I'm so tough look at me so get I once I hit the ground um a couple of my 
crew members are full on like scooping this guy off the ground, like a little sack of potatoes. I, I was down right after him. Like I pushed him and jumped. I just like picked him up and we just carried him to like a safe distance. And then we're all kind of gathering everybody. I mean, it was, it's such a strange scene to see like an accident like that. People are crying, people are hurt. The whole scene was crazy. We're out in the middle of nowhere, it feels like, right? They call it a FOB, a forward operating base, and they're tiny. It's not like you have a like a base here in the United States where you drive on and you think this is this is very secure and safe. Mm -hmm. No, FOB, you're like is that a chain link fence? Uh, doesn't seem, it seems like this is dangerous. And the buildings are Connex boxes or tent looking buildings or just, it's crazy. So we like gather up all of our people, right? And we're like triaging them all and like making sure everybody's okay. And like one of the front end crew guys is kind of hurt. And I'm talking to one of my crew members and I'm like, all right, well, you know, everybody's safe and blah, blah, blah. And he's just looking at me like, are you okay? And I was like, what, what? He was like, I think you're bleeding. And so I like feel my mouth, I'm like, oh, I bit my tongue. And so I stick my tongue out and I was like, does it look bad? And he was like, oh. <laughs> I pierced it. I like bit through the center of my tongue. Oh. So then I could, of course, like, then there's blood and I can kind of feel it, but I was like, it's fine, it's fine. So, I start asking him, like, where's the gate? Like, are we, where's the fence? Does anybody have their weapons? You know, like, I always, we, we were supposed to carry our weapon everywhere we went. So I think in the chaos, several people didn't have it. And I was like, well, I have mine. I was like thinking to myself, how good of a shot am I? Like, if this is crazy, like if we're outside of the gate and we're, if someone comes to kidnap us or something like that, could I defend myself? You know, hopefully I could. <laughs> and I'm thinking, does anybody know what just happened? Did the front end crew like tell anybody that we have now crashed? And you know, who, is somebody coming? Yeah, to yeah. Get us? Is is help on its way? Yeah. Or after a while, I think a fire truck actually showed up, or like an ambulance, ambulance and a fire truck, and they full on start putting out the fire. We looked pretty rough. Like we looked, some people. You know, like the front end crew would take off their shirt, their outer shirt. Um, so some people like didn't have their outer shirt. No one had their cover. And you're supposed to like always wear that when you're walking around anywhere, mm -hmm. uh, outside. And Meaning so, like your hat? Your hat. Okay. Yeah. And so this is all you have. Like you just like you hear when you travel commercially, like leave everything and go. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have just like this random assortment of stuff. I think I had all of my patients files. Because once the fire truck showed up, they put the fire out, and I was like, I have some stuff on there that I need to get off that plane. Like, it's very sensitive stuff, like I'm responsible for and I need to keep track of. Like, <laughs> the plane is literally on fire, and I'm like, I need to get back in there. So once they put the fire out, Excuse I was me, like, sir. I full on did that. <laughs> I went up to one of the firemen, and I was like, hey, I said, the fire's out, right? And he was like, yeah. I was like, I, I need to get back on that plane. I got to grab some stuff. And he was all, uh, 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 but I said it like, 
authoritatively. This, this is what we're going to do right now. Like, do you want to come with me or can I just run in there real quick? And he was like, oh, okay. And so I full on was like, hey, like there were a couple people around me. Let's go. And I ran on and like grabbed my backpack, which had like patient files and stuff in it. And whatever else I think, oh, I had an iPad mini. And I've, since this happened, I've been meaning to write a letter to like the Otterbox people because my tiny little iPad made it through a fire, a plane crash, and being like sprayed by whatever chemicals they use to put out fires, the firefighters. And it still works. Like to this day, this is like, what? Oh my gosh. Almost 10 years Thank later, you, Otterbox. Great. Sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> So I run in, I'm like grabbing stuff and I'm at this point, like anything I can carry. And one of the other firefighters, I'm sure someone that was a little higher up in the chain was like, get off the plane now. Like you can't, whoever, they're mad at the one that let me back. They're like, you can't be in here. So I like grabbed whatever I could and just ran back out. Then they took us to eat. Like an in and out or? That doesn't exist there. No. <laughs> Um, no, they took us to like the chow hall, which is like a regular place where people eat. But the weird thing was they were like, don't talk to anybody. So this place is full of people. It looks like a cafeteria, like a school cafeteria, basically. I'm sure everybody knows what's going on, you know, like the gossip has spread, you know, super fast. And they see us just like come walking in with our like tattered uniforms and like, <laughs> like a hair looks all mess. Everybody looks gross whatever and so everybody's just like it gets totally silent in there like it's buzzing with chatter and then we walk in and it's like and then slowly people start to talk again I just remember like we got ice cream and everybody was so excited we were talking loud and we were all excited about like being able to eat ice cream and then all of the logistics of everything kind of start to come into play like yeah how do we get back can what you do tell we, anybody what just happened? What do we do now? We had full physicals, like, pee in this cup. We're going to take your blood for everybody because they want to see, like, were you guys all high or what happened? Right. What happened on this plane? Or, like, was your oxygen low? And the plane just, you know, you couldn't, what, some malfunction or who knows. So they do all of that stuff. We all get, like, medically cleared. And then we're just, like, sitting around in random pieces of whatever clothing they could find for us like donation stuff because you know people would be like oh let's send this over to the troops to like you know cheer <laughs> them up or whatever and like we're living off that stuff she was actually living at a base in kandahar in what she describes as a connex box which she shared with one to three other people but it was home yeah home sweet home <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up getting a ride like 24 hours later back and it was just so strange like we didn't know what we could say or not say or i don't know there's definitely not a lot of instruction on post plane crash like etiquette I don't know. Uh, yeah yeah behavior yeah they didn't know that that had happened to us so when we got back there was like nobody there <laughs> to greet us and then i think they gave us a week off but they immediately put us in therapy. So oh, wow. I was like full on deployed in Afghanistan, going to therapy three times a week. That's awesome. Yeah. So it was good. I don't think everyone on my crew took advantage of it. My partner ended up actually 
trying to kill himself. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, he had to, we medevaced him out of Afghanistan early. So then we flew. Uh, this was the person that like recruited you and came yeah. to be with you? Why do you feel like he struggled so much? I think it was, um, he had seen things during the war that were much worse than what I saw. He had, he, he told me a story about how he was on one of his deployments, the gate, like, which is just basically like the term for the surrounding part of the base, the gate was being attacked by people. And so they called for everyone on the base to go to the gate and basically prepare to shoot whoever was coming. And he's a nurse. He's mm. not like, you know, an mm-hmm. infantryman or someone that has like, it's it's a different mindset, I think. As nurses, we're more, uh, we're trained to save people. And you don't really think that you're going to be trying to kill someone. Yeah. Even when I was there, it was, we had a, a base attack where like Afghan soldiers that we had trained that are on the base, supposed to be like guarding the base, just started shooting people that were driving by on like the road inside the base they end up capturing that guy it's scary over there and we would fly into places where we're getting shot at tamara appreciated her overall military experience so i wanted to know what she liked the most and what she took away from her time it was awesome though. I went all over the world. We meet like amazing people. The best thing by far, the thing I miss the most about not being in the military anymore is just having that camaraderie and having the people that have kind of gone through all of those things with you. And mm-hmm. the brotherhood of the military is amazing. I, I've been out for two years now or whatever it is. And the other day I was on a group text with a bunch of flight nurses because one of them, her daughter was having a baby. So she was going to be a grandma. And so she just like wanted to share that with all of us, you know, just like that. It's nothing to do with the military. It's more like that, you know, being a part of something with other people that even though they come from every background you can imagine, it's just like so inclusive Mm -hmm. of everyone. What, What do you think makes it like that? I think when you go through the training, having that discipline and kind of understanding that understanding what's expected of you and everyone has that same understanding. Everyone knows, you know, like these are the rules and this is how this works. Just like puts you on equal footing and on the same team basically. Yeah, And the way that they train you about like honesty, integrity, like all of those things that you should value. um, They, they teach you to value. And then you, have all of these people that are kind of like-minded, I guess, in that sense, that Mm -hmm. they have all of those same values that you have. So even though like people look different and they come from all over, they still at their core, they call it the core values. They still have like all of those in common. Mm -hmm. It makes it nice. I don't know. I just feel like you can trust military people. I remember when I was working in the hospital up north on the base I noticed one day I was like walking down the hall and I saw a pair of like sunglasses sitting on the ledge. Well, two days later, they're still sitting there and someone came in and they were like, Hey, I think I left my glasses. Has anyone seen them? I'm like, yeah, they're still there. Like it's safe. You know, like people aren't just out to kind of like steal from you or yeah, I don't know, do 
nasty things. And for the most part, right, you know, like, right. of course, there's not everyone falls into that category. But for the most part, it was just like, you could trust them, you know? Right. Well, the culture is less about like you being out for yourself. You're out for each other. Yeah. You're going to get each other's backs, right? Yeah. Which means not stealing each other's sunglasses. Yes. <laughs> and it, it, it goes so much. That's the perfect way to describe it because it's like, it's beyond that. It's, you know, if you're in charge of a group of people, you want them to succeed too. Mm-hmm. So you want them to advance their career and to prosper and like beyond just their career, you want them to make sure that they're taken care of at home and they have a good family life. And like, if someone's struggling, there's a big push to like reach out and to make sure that, you know, you're doing everything, everything you can for them. You might still have one question. Why did the plane crash? So there's a big investigation uh, into that. With any plane crash, right? There's always going to be like a big investigation. I think that they found that it was a combination of like weather, like the high winds and pilot error. So that was rough. Yikes. I I had to testify a couple times in, like, different trials and... Not, like, trial, like, you did something and you're going to jail, but just, like, what did you do to our very expensive plane? I'm so grateful right now for medical professionals like Tamara and for all the humanitarian work that our military does and is currently doing in the U.S., I loved how Tamara was talking about being a part of something together, everyone having the same expectations and understanding. And I feel that way right now. We're all on the same team. No matter what our backgrounds or nationalities are, we're in this together. And just like she said, we have to reach out and make sure our people are okay. And maybe we can't road trip right now or sit on each other's couches or give good hugs but we can pick up the phone or FaceTime or go old school and write a note. And when you're standing in that line at Trader Joe's, you can still say hi from six feet away. This track is Xena's Kiss by MVIC.